What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast, the independent, cool, scrappy, underdog Star Trek podcast. I am David Majors. My co-host is the fantastic Heather Kirby. Never apologize for being nerdy. What's going on, Heather? Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm dragging this weekend. I think I got the start of a summer cold, so I've been hiding oh, man. covers all weekend. I am, I am so sorry. You're dealing with a cold, and I'm I'm on the injured list. I I've been on the injured list for about two weeks dealing with a neck injury that that I only just now figured out exactly what it is. It's it is a very particular muscle in my neck. So at least now I know what it is. So now I can actually get it looked at and maybe get it taken care of. But we can sit down here and talk about Star Trek, and hopefully by the end of this, we'll both feel a little bit better. How's that sound? Sounds like a plan. All right. So for new listeners of this podcast, first of all, thank you and welcome. I'm David. She's Heather. We talk about Star Trek. Uh, we do our shows in a bit of a three-act format. We start with old business, which is pretty much everything from The Cage, which has all the more important significance now, all the way up to the Kelvin movies. New business. We talk about what's currently happening in Star Trek right now. And oh, brother, do we have a lot to talk about. And then later we'll move into upcoming business where we talk about pun always intended. What is in Star Trek beyond Heather? I once again, absolutely loved what you came up for for old business this episode i i absolutely loved it so i i will let you introduce it if you feel like you're up for it uh miss kirby you have the con well the old business topic was basically inspired by uh episode five of strange new worlds which we're going to talk about in new business but it was a very fun episode and so star trek is known for being dramatic and dealing with major issues um but there's also fun episodes spliced throughout there. So I thought we would talk about our favorite fun episodes of classic Star Trek. I, I love this topic. I absolutely do. Uh, and everybody out there, we would love to hear your favorite fun episodes, silly episodes of Star Trek. So please, if you're on the social medias, give us a follow on Twitter at prom trek pod and let us know use the hashtag fun trek fun trek that'll be a hashtag for it fun trek and let us know what your favorite fun episodes of star trek are uh heather uh if you would like to go first i will let you take over it's it's your topic for old business if you want to by all means all right well i wanted to throw uh a couple out there um, that I really enjoy that are really fun. Um, I, I didn't really go very deep on this. They're, they're kind of obvious choices, but they're, they're the ones I really think of. If I think of fun Star Trek episodes. Um, and that would be the trouble with tribbles from TOS. Mm. And yep. of course it's a sequel uh, trials and tribulations in DS9. I think both, the triple arc. Yeah, I think both of those are just so much fun and goofy and kind of ridiculous. 
Um, but it 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 it's a a serious undertone to the story, but it does it in a fun way uh, that you just can't help but smile seeing all those little furry creatures everywhere. Um, the other one I want to shout out, and that's just because I'm such a huge James Bond fan, is hey, um, I, yeah, Doctor Bashir, I presume. Uh, yes, yes, yes. In DS9, uh, because I yeah, it it it's so classic Bond tropey that like once again it also had a very serious undertone to the story but it was done in a completely fun way where you could just appreciate all the characters and 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 the the actors getting to play different characters that they were having so much more fun with i think that that that's a a different example of fun than uh, the triples are so I agree on all of your picks. Uh, number one, the Tribble arc. Uh, it's not easy to do something very serious and very heartfelt when you've got these little balls of creatures that massively reproduce at an alarming rate. And all you can do is worry about how to escape from them. Uh, it's hard to do something really serious about that. And I especially loved the, the short Trek episode, uh, the trouble with Edward uh, and how he genetically engineered tribbles to breed and just the ridiculousness of all of that leading to more of the ridiculous with the tribbles. I absolutely loved that. Uh, everything you said about Dr. Bashir, I presume uh, also, I believe our man Bashir, I believe that's one of them too, I believe. And yes, Julian Bashir's uh, James Bond spy novel holodeck arc, I feel like in many ways was kind of a spiritual successor to one of my picks. And I'm going with from Voyager, the Captain Proton episodes. Heather. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, Tom Paris playing Captain Proton in the black and white pulp 50s sci-fi adventures with Chaotica and and the the robot and, and all of these other daring harrowing space adventures and it is just this campy cheesy silliness that i i find really really endearing uh also for me i'm gonna go to tng and i think this episode has been the subject of many memes over the years and that is cupid uh, of course, known colloquially as the Robin Hood episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, very true. This is one of those times where as many times as I've uh, yelled against Q and have talked about how much I don't like Q, uh, this is one of those times where I really enjoyed what he got the crew of the Enterprise-D into. Uh, just very full of hijinks, which we'll talk about later. And I, I think that Michael Dorn as Worf really sold this episode with his, I am not a merry man. <laughs> I really think that that is a line for the ages. And this whole episode 
where you could really tell that the entire cast was just having the time of their lives. And yeah, Robin Hood, it, it was fun. And, and really at the time, Robin Hood was really in at the time. You had Prince of Thieves, you had Robin Hood Men in Tights, which Patrick Stewart made a cameo in. So why not have TNG do a Robin Hood episode? Why not? I I love both those picks. Uh, Bride of Chaotica is just a classic good Voyager episode. And I, I, I had a hard time thinking of one that I really felt fun for TNG. And I didn't even cross my head about the Robin Hood episode. So I, I agree with you on that. Uh, I, I want to also say I'm... Like I said at the start of the thing, I have a cold, so I'm blanking on episode titles. The episode title of the James Bond DS9 episode is Our Man Bashir. It is not Dr. Bashir, I presume. I'm making shit up as I go along. Just excuse okay. me <laughs> and my congestion you know me, Heather. for that. I do that. Uh, I do that all the time, Heather. It's fine. But, it, you know, um, I, I, I love TNG, too. And I had a hard time thinking of one that I would really come up with for TNG and and so I appreciate your Cupid pick but I'm also a huge uh, Loxana fan as I know you're not but uh, the one I I really liked is uh, and I'm going to blank on the episode title because like I said I'm blanking on episode titles but it, it's the one where she she took Alexander to like this pleasure holograph planet thing and it's so ridiculous and fun and like something out of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. And I love it. So Is that the mud bath episode? That's the mud bath episode. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I believe I'm going to do a quick Google. Cost of living. That's Cost it. of living. That's, it. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just realized one that uh, of all the Star Trek podcasts out there, we nearly did not mention one. So so I've got to throw this one out there. Take me out to the hollow suite. Of course. Of course. Of course. Well, and and, we, we, and 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 well, like I said, we got to mention every single show though because I think if we were to talk about fun episodes on Enterprise, we got to talk about their getaway to Riza in season 1. Because that is a fun huh. episode. Off the top of my head, I don't recall that one. Oh my gosh. Okay, you have to go rewatch it now. And, okay, and I like, like I said, I, I'm clearly blanking on episode names, so I can't tell you the name of it. But it's the Rise it episode like, from season one. It, it looks like it's called Two Days and Two Nights. That so, would be it. And yeah. it's from season one. Okay. Yeah. I, yes. You know what? I will check this out after we're done. I'll check this out after we're done today. <laughs> and I, I have one, actually, from Star Trek Picard. Uh, and it is from season one. And that is Stardust City Rag. I found this episode where the crew of La Serena has to dress up in costumes and go to this planet free cloud where anything goes. It's kind of like Las Vegas in space. And they have to go through this big score to 
survive and, and save uh, Seven and keep her from getting abducted. I found all of that to be very, very entertaining, especially Patrick Stewart uh, really upping the French accent. So I, I felt like we had to... I had to mention Stardust City Rag, uh, if only for Rios's outfit and Picard's extra French accent. So from Picard, Stardust City Rag. Agreed. Okay, so let's jump into new business, Heather. Uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, uh, since we did skip a week since I was on the injured list, we have three episodes to talk about now. So let's get started with Memento Mori. Uh, Heather, I-, I will ask you, how did you feel about this episode, Memento Mori? This one got a lot of talk uh, online and a lot of discussion, and it was uh, really universally praised. So uh, I would love to know what you thought about this one. Okay, so I, I, I have a wonderfully bad habit of just being like, eh, two episodes that are universally praised because I hate it when people do that. <laughs> um, such a hipster. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. The, 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 that's the, the, the rebel in me. I can't help myself. It, it was a good episode. Um, I think it really helped reinvent the Gorn as... Uh, a villain to be feared uh, rather than the crazy rubber monsters or C- of TOS or the CGI of uh, Enterprise. So I, I, I think it did its job in that way. Um, and it, it, it was a very dramatic and good episode. And we got to s- like understand a lot more about La'an, which I appreciated because La'an's turning into one of my favorite characters. Um, so yeah, it was good, but I, I, I'm not going to go crazy praising it. Like everyone does. I, it, it, yeah. I'm just not that. I think it was, I think that this episode was generally consensus, a good episode. I would say, uh, I loved the second act where they were inside of the inside of the not the black hole but uh, the the gas giant and it, it had kind of a a feel like um the film the hunt for red october where the enterprise was trying to hide from the gorn ship and it had a, a very nautical feel to it and it was very intense and, and very exciting to me um, also, once again, uh, I've made no secret I have fallen head over heels for the character of La'an Nunyan Singh, and this episode just added even more to her character and just that extra level of depth I, I am enjoying a lot more. Uh, I loved that this episode also had a mind meld. Uh, Spock had the mind meld with La'an. And we got to see a glimpse into what Spock is repressing and what is classified from Starfleet. And I thought it was really interesting that when La'an started going into Spock's thoughts, he was like, oh, no, we're stopping this. We're stopping this. We're we're not going there. And come on, Spock, what are you doing? This is a mind meld. This is, you know... You went into her mind. She has every right to go into yours. It, it happens. It's a mind meld. 
Well, I, I, I mean, that's that's part of his duty as well. Yes, you know, because he he knows the those things are classified from Starfleet, and so Laon, as a Starfleet officer, is not supposed to know about Michael. Um, but I, yeah, I, I like seeing them mind meld together and just really. It, 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 even though, like, you're right, he didn't let her all the way in, it, it, it helps open him up in a way to see him do things like that. So, And I'm going to talk about Spock opening up a little bit when we talk about Spock and Bach. I, I do want to talk about that quite a bit. Um, the Pike Maneuver, Heather. Uh, I loved that in this day and age of Star Trek, we got to see the enterprise pull off a really cool move in space. And we're getting to see that a lot with Erica Ortegas, where we are able to have really cool CGI and we get to see these things happening in space. And I just thought that seeing the Pike maneuver go by the black hole, use its gravity and then bounce out to avoid the Gorn. I just thought that was really, really cool. And I love that we get to see that in, in Star Trek now. It, it adds a, a sense of action that really wasn't around much back in the day. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, it, it, it's definitely, I, uh, it's definitely something cool uh, to, to see on the show. And, and I'm, I'm not a huge spaceship junkie so I, I i guess stuff like that doesn't matter a whole lot to me but uh uh yeah i i agree it, it's definitely something cool and, and and it adds more to having the shows proofs produced today than they did back in the 90s because you can do all sorts of extra cool stuff with that and and i'm usually not big on spaceships either but i do think space is cool and seeing that in space and the stuff that can happen in space, like Ortega said in an episode, space really wants to get you killed. And for them to maneuver through that was actually, in my opinion, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So overall, Memento Mori, yeah, I think it was it was one of those good episodes. I have no real complaints about it. I thought start to finish, I had fun with it. Yeah, definitely. Okay, next episode, Spock Amok, our first <laughs> body switch episode in Star Trek Strange New Worlds, where hijinks ensue, no matter what Spock and T'Pring might want. Uh, they switched bodies, our, our, our Vulcan couple, Spock and T'Pring, and they had to spend time living each other's lives. Uh, to Pring in Spock's body got to go through a diplomatic mission with Captain Pike and Admiral uh, Admiral April, and Spock in To Pring's body had to deal with a a rogue Vulcan who was abandoning logic. Uh, this was, in my opinion, this was fun too. This really did feel like, as you said in the beginning, Heather, a really fun episode. Oh yeah, it like I it it was the first 
it felt like the first real uh, fun from start to finish episode of the live action track that's been produced in the the this millennium. Um, it 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 was just every single part it part of it from the A plot to the B plot to the kind of C plot uh, was all just lighthearted and and fun and I really enjoyed it. Um, I am I'm not a huge fan of Vulcans, uh, but I and I'm not a huge fan of body switching episodes, but I think it really worked with T'Pring and Spock in this instance. I think it really got you to appreciate both of them more, as well as what they're dealing with in their relationships. And I, it, it, it just, it worked having them switch bodies like that. It really did. Um, I love the B plot with Una and La'an playing Enterprise Bingo. <laughs> yes. That was so good. That was so, so good. Uh, we can all confirm that Una is not where fun goes to die. Yes. And La'an can also have some fun herself. And that, that really was great. Um, I absolutely loved Ethan Peck's performance in this episode. And he continues to own the role of Spock, in my opinion. Uh, as Spock himself and the continued inner conflict that he's showing of being half human and half Vulcan, which I always felt like the original series, the movies, and even, even the, the JJ Abrams movies did not really explore as much as I would like. And with strange new worlds and even with discovery, Ethan Peck has done a really good job with that. Uh, we saw in the dream sequence where his Vulcan self was fighting his human self and the, the feelings of how to Pring saw him really deeply affected him. And throughout this series, we are seeing Ethan Peck show these little hints of emotion that he's, He's showing like he'll sigh or he'll close his eyes or or he'll smile very slightly. And, and he's doing really, really well with these. And this episode, especially when uh, there was something that I noticed, Heather, with this episode, when he and T'Pring switched bodies, I noticed that Ethan Peck started raising his voice a little bit to kind of match T'Pring. And when I heard that, it was like, he's really, really committing to being to bring here. And that's that's really, really good. And I, I just I can't sing enough praises about Ethan Peck's performance as Spock so far in this season. He's been, in my opinion, he's been absolutely fantastic. Well, and, you know, they both did a really good job of committing to the other's character when they they did the switch. Because um, I think if you're going to praise Ethan Peck, you got to praise um, the actress who plays Supreme right along with him. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Because, like, I, I saw a screenshot of the episode, and, like, right after they switched, and you could tell just in, like, their body position and their stance that, Spock was now to Pring and to Pring was now Spock. Just the way they held their hands, the way they they, they looked at 
Pike in that instance. Like it, it it's just they totally committed to taking over each other's character, and it was really awesome to watch. And I, I really, really loved that at the end of this episode, uh, we got to see Spock and T'Pring actually together. Um, well, in bed, everybody, so content warning. But you could tell that there was a connection. There was uh, almost a playfulness with however level of playful Vulcans can be. But it really made their relationship, it, it made it a lot clearer. You, you could tell by now that the two of them cared about each other and love each other uh, quite a lot. And I liked seeing that with them. I, I really did. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely appreciate their relationship a lot more after that episode. Um, one last thing I want to shout out about the episode uh, Christine Chapel is by, in case no one she is. That's that. right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, this was a lot of conversation going around online after the episode is why they didn't mention Roger Corby, who is Christine Chapel's husband uh, in TOS. But if you notice, and, and this is my theory behind it, like as she was talking about hooking up with people, she made a point of telling Ortegas that she was not looking for a serious relationship. And I'm pretty sure that's because she already has one. So she's still married to Roger Corby people. At least that's my headcanon. And, um, uh, Heather? I think your headcanon might have some weight because I saw this earlier today from TrekCore. Uh, Akiva Goldsman uh, yes. actually responded to a tweet uh, on June 3rd uh, where someone asked about Roger Corby and he said, stand by. Yep. So I think you're definitely onto something there. Yeah, I, I, I mean, just the way she was presenting, talking about relationships just made it seem like, you know, she she has someone and she as much as she wants companionship and she wants to fool around with people like she has someone serious and that's why she doesn't want another serious relationship. So I think that'll come out at some point. That That's what it seems like. That's what it seems like. OK, uh, another pretty good episode. Right, Heather? I would say Spock and oh, Muck. Another definitely. pretty good episode. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Now, let's talk about the latest episode. Lift us where suffering cannot reach. And it's Disco Season One Long Ass Episode title. <laughs> this episode. Man, oh man. This one was probably the most, in my opinion, maybe the most TOS vibe episode so far. This one really gave me kind of a mix of TOS while also being kind of a Michael Pillar Deep Space Nine episode where it kind of challenged Star Trek. And I thought that part was cool, but I know that a lot of people in, in Heather, I will let you go on about this. Um, th there was a lot of strong feelings about this episode. So I'm, I'm really interested in how you felt. Well, first off, um, 
We got to talk about the fact that it, it's very obviously in- inspired by an Ursula Le Guin short story. So, um, like I said, I'm blanking on titles right now, and I can't remember the title of the story. I read it. Uh, the, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. The Strange New Pod has an awesome blog talking about it. So, um, look it up there. But it, it's obviously inspired by an Ursula Le Guin story, and it, it the episode itself does have a it has very 60s era Star Trek vibes to it. I appreciated that about the episode. Um, it it's a very controversial story in which the uh, alien that they end up saving these people from their shuttle was about to be destroyed. And it's uh, a woman that Pike knows from this planet Magellus and uh, a child called the first servant who was chosen at birth uh, to, basically dedicate himself to the entire planet and uh it's coming near to his time of ascension and and as soon as i heard ascension my my alarms went off it was like okay what's gonna happen to this kid something tells me this is not going to involve a smiling koala yeah so when uh like we we go through this whole plot details of of finding out that the people who tried to kidnap him are actually a colony offshoot of Magellus and uh, that it was actually his father uh, who helped arrange the kidnapping because he wanted to save his life because when he goes to ascend we discover that it's basically plugging him into this machine uh, which this sucks the life force out of him in order to keep the entire civilization from falling into lava. So the the whole concept of it is that this this beautiful uh, advanced eternal civilization is only surviving off the suffering of one child. And that was on its own pretty horrifying um but the fact that this has gone on for centuries and they've never been able to find an alternative solution and alora uh pike's love interest in this episode said that she was off planet researching to try and find a way around it but they've never been able to that really shook me to where like they you you really couldn't have left the planet and go somewhere else really well because it, you had it, other people do do that here's here's the thing uh they're obviously i think i got the impression from the way it was framed that there's more of a there, there's a bit of a spiritual belief in there too so as much as they're very advanced and they have all sorts of science scientific things um there's a spiritual belief that they need to have the suffering happen to that child in order for them to all to continue to survive. And the one thing like it's, it's, it's such an interesting story and it's such an interesting concept to discuss and debate, but 
the one thing that really grated me about the episode was Pike's reaction to Allura at the very end of the episode. I, I mean, he does what any person would think to do, and that's try to help save the first servant. And he gets knocked out. And he wakes up in her room, and, like, he doesn't even... He doesn't even try to have a conversation with her. He's just very adamant about how he wants to go take down the machine or he's going to report it to like, and, and like he, like his first response to her is I want to go take down the machine and save the first servant. And she's like, you know, he'd be dead anyway, if you try to remove him from that. And then, so his second response is, well, I'm going to report this to Starfleet as soon as I can. And her her response to that is perfect, which is we're not Federation citizens. They have no authority over them. Uh, but he doesn't even try to reason or like, I, I, I don't know. I really expected him to have more of a debate and conversation about the pros and cons of why this is built that way. And it's like he he just dismisses her out of hand. Like he doesn't even try to have a conversation with her about it, about what they could do differently, how they could work towards something different, how this isn't the best way to run a society. Like it, it, it felt like after after he physically tried and that didn't work, he just gave up. And I hated I that. I hear you. I hear you on that. And I was thinking about that too, because when she said, we're not part of the Federation, you don't have any authority here. He kind of gave Alora a look of, yeah, you never will be. It will never happen. Yeah. Um, because he, you could see kind of the disgust and disdain exactly, that he had. Exactly. Exactly. For the the reveal and and what had happened, and he felt like, and, and I was thinking about this part because I was thinking about the ceremony and how they were treating the first servant, and I agree with you. There was definitely a a spirituality involved, and that made me start thinking about. Uh, the kid's father, the biological father, who was only his doctor because the child had to dedicate himself to the planet. Yeah. But in the beginning of the episode, uh, up until like the, the third act, he seemed to be totally committed to the cause. And it made me think about the fact that these people, this planet definitely have more of a extremist fanatical devotion to their planet. And it, it seems as though maybe Pike felt like what he saw on that planet where it was, it, it definitely felt more like um kind of a, a religious thing that he might not have been able to reason with them. And he saw in his mind what would have been fanatical religious extremism that can't be reasoned with. And maybe that's just 
where he decided that he didn't want anything to do with them anymore. Okay. I, I, I understand that, but I, I also want to point out that Pike was the one who spent the most amount of time on that planet. I mean, he, he spent, he spent the night there, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I, I think that's why, why I really hated his dismissal so much because this is someone he was intimate with, you know, it, he, this was someone he completely shared his entire body and everything with in the most intimate of ways and to have him not willing to just completely dismiss her offhand. Like I, I understand looking at it from a whole standpoint, but if he was going to like at least try to reason with anyone, it should have been the person that he had this connection with. And, in, and he didn't, he just dismissed her. And, and that, that, that really, bothered me and it, it goes into what i was saying in our last episode like that that's a sign of toxic masculinity that he's just going to dismiss this woman offhand and okay. not even try okay. to have a conversation with her about what happened and what he witnessed okay um do you remember the scene um where the first servant was returned to the planet and they were saying the ascension ceremony was starting and it was this big celebration and parade and everything. And then Pike started having those realizations of the colonists and the planet and all of these other things. And then he started asking Alora these questions about what this was all about and what he was trying to understand about why this child is so important and what's going to happen to this planet and all of these people. It, it, why does it all weigh on this child? And Alora really didn't answer him. And no, th- no, that to me, she didn't answer ahead, him, but ahead. she showed him. She allowed him to see what happened. If she really wanted to avoid the topic, she wouldn't have showed him what actually happened with that machine. Okay. Okay. Um, I guess in her mind, everything that was happening was okay. And did, do you think that she might've said that Pike would have felt the same way? I, you know, I, I don't, I, that, 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 that's another argument. I don't think she thinks it's okay. I think she's accepted that it's no other way. Cause I mean, she's the one that said she was off planet trying to look for another way. So they didn't have to use a first servant when he first met her 10 years ago. So I, I think she knows it's not okay, but she also wants her planet to survive. And that's, this is the only way they have right now of it doing that. And so I, that's why I think she would have been open to him having a more in-depth conversation with her. And he's the one that chose not to. Okay. Okay. Like I, I definitely get where you're coming from on that. I definitely do. Um, I, I just felt like, it felt a little bit close to religious extremism 
uh, the people of Majalis and like, of course, in the Federation and with Gene Roddenberry and all of the opinions he had on religion, uh, it, it can go one way or another that way. And I guess that's just how Pike reacted. He saw something that was extreme that he felt like couldn't be couldn't be forgiven. And, well, I, I guess that's why he reacted the way he did. And, and that that's sometimes that happens. And sometimes episodes of Star Trek have discussions like this episode has generated. This was a very heavy emotional episode and it's generated a lot of discussion and a lot of conversation. It's been people have been saying this is not their favorite episode. This has been, uh, I think, the least well received episode of Strange New World so far. And you know what? Sometimes that happens. I, I still think this was very much a Star Trek episode in, in a lot of different ways. Um, <laughs> as a DS9 fan, I think Michael Pillar would have been really, really proud of this one, I think. And I like that this this generated some real discussion. I like that. Oh, I I, I mean, I think it it's an incredibly... It's it, it, it's an incredible Star Trek episode, and it, it's an incredibly well written Star Trek episode. And, and like I said, my only argument with it is, is how Pike reacted to her at the end. But the entire story in general, um, I think it's truly thought provoking and definitely something worthy of Star Trek. Amen. Completely agree, Heather. Completely agree. Um. So I want to ask you. I'm sure you've picked up on this. The last few episodes of Strange New Worlds, not a lot of Hemmer. <laughs> no, not a lot of Hemmer. It's uh, a thing. Yeah, it is. Also, in my opinion, not a whole lot of Una either. Not a whole lot of Una. Uh, I, I, I think there, there was, there's a good amount of Una. Um, <laughs> It, it it's it's really it's interesting to watch how they're framing these episodes because I mean we knew Pike and Spock would be a huge focus. Um, I didn't expect a character like Laan to be such a huge focus in a lot of them. Um, so, and unfortunately, though I really like Hemmer, I, I kind of expected Hemmer to not be a huge focus. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I, I'm certain he'll be back very soon. That that much I know. Um, honestly, I, I saw the trailer for the next episode. It looks like another fun episode. Uh, looks like there's going to be some some action and some space pirates. So I'm really looking forward to that. Like Strange New Worlds. It's been it's been all right. It's been okay. I think I, I, I'm, uh, I've been enjoying myself. A point of. To remember for the next episode will actually fe feature the first uh, trans woman in Star Trek as a guest star. Oh, and right. it will also be directed by a trans woman. That's right. So strange. New One World more thing to look forward to. Is, yeah. Getting on the same page as Discovery and just really embracing the LGBTQ community, which is awesome. 
it's almost as if Star Trek is progressive. Yeah. <laughs> what a thought. Um, okay. So let's jump into upcoming business. Um, there, there is a lot here, Heather. Um, number one, Paramount. Uh, you wrote this. Uh, Paramount's still screwing international fans. Well, what's going on there? Well, Paramount Plus is finally launching more internationally starting on June the 22nd, I believe, uh, launching in the UK, Ireland, um, as well as other European countries. And so most people thought because June the 22nd would be about episode seven of Strange New Worlds, they thought as soon as they got Paramount Plus, they could watch all seven episodes of Strange New Worlds. Uh, No, Paramount Plus decided that they would only load for international viewers the first three episodes of strange new world Wait, what yes and then they will start showing episodes once a week weekly after those first three so basically the rest of the world will see episodes of strange new worlds uh four weeks after we get them here in the u.s yeah i i'm just gonna go ahead and say something about uh, I'm going to draw into my anime roots here. For the longest time, one of the big things that there was a problem with anime and, and the genre was how long it took from things to come from Japan to the rest of the world. Nowadays, anime production can go from Japan to the rest of the world with voice acting in particular languages within a week. Uh, I've seen that. You can see quick turnarounds in that regard where there is no barrier uh, globally anymore. And I feel like if something like anime can do that when it's a production in an entirely different language in an entirely different country, there is really no excuse for that at all. When the episodes have already aired, they're already available, and they can probably be pirated a lot quicker. And yeah, there's there's no ex- there's no explanation for this. There's no like I I don't understand why they would do this at all. Well, it, I I mean. I understand why they did it because it's a marketing tactic uh, that to force people to make sure they buy more than one month. <laughs> because if they, if they give them, it, it's like say you're subscribing to Paramount Plus to watch Strange New Worlds. If you sit there and subscribe for one month, uh, when it comes out that you'll have seven episodes right then you only have three more weeks. So you can cancel after that one month. Whereas like it's forcing you to actually subscribe for two full months with the way it's spaced out. (laughs) So yeah, I I get it from a marketing standpoint, but from a uh, just reasonable standpoint it, it, it it's pretty ridiculous and li- like i said i was one of those people who was always like okay guys you know you need to get over it it's made in the u.s sometimes shit happens 
just move on. But this latest thing, like it it does seem like they're going out of their way to screw over fans outside of the U.S. And that that's kind of that's that's not okay. That's not okay. Okay. It's not okay. Like, I, I, I really do feel for them because it, it's not okay to be treated like that. So, no, that's uh, not. Paramount needs to get the shit together and really appreciate that Star Trek is universal. There are fans all across the globe and they need to appreciate them equally. Completely agree. Uh, I know when Strange New Worlds and Discovery season four were premiering and in production they worked really hard to make sure that it was available uh across the world because paramount plus wasn't available uh everywhere just yet now they're taking a more cynical approach and trying to get people to subscribe to paramount plus which i can understand but I feel like there's a better way. There should be a better way to do this, I think. Well, (coughs) sorry. It's honestly like you have so much content coming out and it's going to be primarily on Paramount Plus. Like, so why? Why why are you trying to force them to make sure they subscribe when they're going to subscribe to watch your Star Trek content anyway? It, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it, it, it just seems vindictive and kind of mean. You said something interesting there where you said people are going to subscribe for the Star Trek content. Well, that's Trekkies. What do you think about everyone else? I, the people that might not necessarily be into Star Trek. Well, you know that that's um, the the way they have shit set up in the UK. Like it, it's actually set up so, uh, like you get access to the the streaming service included as part of your cable package if you have like a certain type of cable package because UK okay. has like universal cable. So, right. um, it, it if you pay for that extra cable package like one of the things that's going to be included on it now that paramount plus is launching is paramount plus so it's, it's going to get out to more people um but i i think it's got to be said by now that paramount plus has built their streaming brand around star trek no question no question. There's absolutely no question about that. And so when and it, it has com- made them a lot of money. When it comes to launching shit internationally, you're trying to launch this new streaming service internationally. It should be built around Star Trek as well. Because those are the people that are going to flock to it. No so, question. No question. I, yeah. I, I, I just. I'm not worried like it's, about it's not- who aren't Trekkies because it's, it's, it's the Trekkies that are going to sign up initially and everybody else will come after that. That, that is an excellent point. Uh, Trekkies have a way of galvanizing and, and gathering together. Especially when a guy like Anson Mount leads them. 
Uh, and this story uh, comes from the man himself. You're familiar with uh, it's it's Star Wars uh, Kenobi, Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan, that's Kenobi. the one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. I'm not a Star Wars fan at all. Like I'm I'm I really threw that one out there. Um, and Moses Ingram, uh, an actress that has been on this show, has caught a lot of abuse online because of her appearance in this series. Very reminiscent of Kelly Marie Tran. Very reminiscent of John Boyega. Uh, of course, this is because she's a woman. And of course, she's black. So there are going to be a lot of toxic people out on the internet that are going to have a problem with that. Well, Anson Mount publicly tweeted and expressed his support for Moses Ingram and fans everywhere got behind Captain Pike for the lack of a better term. Um, Heather, what did you think of this? So I, I thought it was a, a great move by Anson's part to do this. Um, I appreciate Moses for coming out and sharing a lot of the, the nasty vitriol that has been sent her way. And I appreciate Star Wars officially getting behind her and being very blunt in the fact that saying they do not tolerate racism in their fandom. Um, it, that's a huge step for the Star Wars brand in general, because like you mentioned, they've had so much issues of toxic fandom with a lot of their new actors and actresses that are specifically people of color. And for them to officially get behind and stand up for her is a huge step. Uh, Ewan McGregor, who plays Obi-Wan Kenobi in the series, uh, actually posted a video saying that anyone who basically saying anyone that said shit about her uh, is not a fan in his eyes. And so Anson tweeted that, you know, the Star Trek family stands behind Moses uh, and Star Trek and Star Wars are family, which is very true. Uh, you know, it, like as much as you just said, you're not a Star Wars fan. I am. I, I'm a huge sci-fi fan in general. There's a lot of people I know who are both fans of Star Wars and Star Trek. And so to see the lead of a Star Trek show stand up for a Star Wars actress uh, really meant a lot at bringing crossing fandom bridges and bringing people together. Uh, there's such an issue throughout all of our fandoms about toxicity and racism. But let's just and, call it what it is, racism and sexism. Yeah. And, like, honestly, she doesn't deserve that. I've watched the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. She is phenomenal as uh, Reva, the third sister who is an inquisitor. Um, 
like a lot of the nasty comments thrown at her was that she was like overacting that she was too emotional uh inquisitors are basically cis okay and so if you know anything about star wars cis are ridiculously emotional they're the exact opposite of jedis they're supposed to be that way she's an actress she was playing the character the way it's supposed to be uh, so to criticize her performance just really and call yourself a fan of the series uh, and, and and of the the movies and, and everything Star Wars, but then criticize her performance uh, just there, there's something more behind that. And it's racism. It's sexism. It's ridiculous. And I appreciate everyone calling it out, uh, especially like I said, coming from our Star Trek family, that, that it means a lot to see stuff like that. 100%. Um, Heather, I want to ask you a question about The Mandalorian. Um, I know that Mercedes Renato, a.k.a. WWE star Sasha Banks, had a role on The Mandalorian. Did she have to deal with any of this when she was on The Mandalorian? Um, I don't think so, but she has a very small role. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Like, I'm not sure. She might only have, like, a handful of actual speaking lines in the episodes that she's in. So she doesn't play a a huge character, unfortunately. Um, So I I, I think it's more characters that are very out and uh, forward part of the the series. I mean, like when when looking at the Obi Wan Kenobi series, um, it basically, like I said, Reva plays a huge part, and then there is a young actress who plays Leia in the series, uh, Vivian Lynn Blair, who is literally phenomenal as young Leia. I mean, she embodies the snark and the sass and everything that Carrie Fisher brought to the role. And people have trashed her. And this is a 10-year-old kid, okay? Oh, come on. Like the, 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 and that's Guys, what, what I talk about, like, fanboys just getting utterly ridiculous. Because this is a 10-year-old child who is doing a wonderful job at embodying the older character she plays. And you're going to trash her. Like, yeah. So It's a, t- it's a 10-year-old kid. What yeah. are you doing? So yeah, they're, they're, they're both phenomenal. Uh, they both deserve to have people in their corners. And I, I really appreciated that Anson Mount stood up for Moses. Agreed. And if you know Anson, that is who he is. If you listen to the well, you get an idea of who he is as a person outside of acting and that's exactly the kind of guy he is. And I fully echo all of the things he said that will not be tolerated in any way, shape, form or fashion. And Moses Ingram has every Star Trek fan support period. And if you say otherwise, you're not part of this. (laughs) You're not. Yeah. Heather. Guess what? I made it through this entire episode without swearing once. Ah, shit. Oh, well. (laughs) 
<laughs> At least we got that covered now. We got that covered. Um, okay. Thank you so much for doing uh, this episode, episode 52 of Promenade with me, Heather. Um, believe it or not, I actually think that my neck feels a little bit better. Believe it or not. Um, yes, I was kind of stretching and moving around a little bit while we were recording, but I do feel a little bit better. Um, Heather, uh, I will let you rest your voice now and uh, go get some rest. Uh, everybody follow Heather on Twitter at NerdyGal33. She's fantastic. Never apologize for being nerdy, as she would like to say. Uh, Law and Order SVU, Star Wars, Doctor Who, Star Trek, of course. Everyone follow Heather. She is awesome at NerdyGal33. Once again, you can follow this here podcast on Twitter at prom trek pod get this very podcast the promenade merchants wherever you get your podcast spotify stitcher google amazon even the regular old rss feed at my old web domain delta juliet mike.com just give us a listen tell a friend and if you don't like it tell an enemy and until next time everybody live long and i don't have a new line yet <laughs> thanks for listening Promenade Merchants Podcast, episode 52, in five, four, three, two. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Star... What is this show called again? Ah, uh, forget. <laughs> uh.